All right, Coach. So the Stigma podcast we did recently, you were Gandalf and Yoda rolled into one. And I have to tell you, it's probably going to be the same on this one. (laughs) I do feel I showed up, though, in the authenticity one. Yep. You're always showing up. All right. So, Coach, you introduce yourself first this time, then we'll get me. Okay. Well, I am Coach Greg McNeil. I'm the owner of Coach's Corner and um, Western Alliance for Integrated Health. I'm a contractor here at Cannon Air Force Base, author, strength and conditioning coach, all-round funny guy. Yes, you are, Coach. All right. You're very funny. Uh, My name is Sherry Wilson. I have uh, Genius Communication, online courses, social media work I do with local clients, make them lots of money. Yes, she does. That's my main goal. And uh, a business consultant, but also you a mentor. I like mm-hmm. to mentor people. Yes. I think both of us have that in common. Yes, ma'am. And uh, uh, love business owners. And this topic, you know, I've been pondering it for a while. In fact, mm-hmm. we thought about doing a Fast 45, you know, for our local chamber. We do mm-hmm. that once a month here. And I thought about, you know, doing it. But when I started diving in, Coach, I was like, you know what? I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, I I don't necessarily want to try to figure out the ins and the outs, but you say something repeatedly that I think is tied to this I wanted to dive into. So okay. even though our podcast is, you know, um, Healing Business, Healing Community, uh, we, we mainly focus on business owners, but I think we've touched you know all areas all aspects so far in this podcast with personal professional and community they it applies for any community not just clovis well one of the things that you've said that i love is directly tied to business is there's enough money for everybody yes and <clears throat> you know we've talked about how you attract your tribe right And yet the other side that I know is in me is I am very competitive. Mm -hmm. I want to dominate whatever I do. Now, I don't mind, you know, people that have a similar business. Mm -hmm. But the instant thought that goes through my head when I see someone with a similar business or they're trying to have a similar business is I'm going to dominate that area. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, with excellence, with service, all of those things. <clears throat> is that not healthy? And so like how do you how do you well first tell us what lifeboat lifeboat ethics are <laughs> and how you say there's enough money going around. Mm-hmm. But how do you also still have that competitive edge where you're always making your product or service better for your customer and client? Okay. I know that's a big thing to chew. Yeah, okay. So let me just start with the last thing, right? Okay. So I think it is absolutely appropriate to approach your service and what you do with the idea of winning at your service, providing the highest level of service that you are capable of, Mm -hmm. right? That's appropriate. We should be thinking this way. Otherwise, why be in business? True. Now, having said that, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we have to have like this hoarding mentality that we have to be fearful that we have to be negative because that doesn't work right um and when you think about any community any place where there's business there's always multiple businesses 
that provide similar services. That's true. You know, and just because we provide similar services does not mean that we are in competition with each other. Now, that's interesting. So that's where you get it because, you know, the American, I don't know Mm -hmm. about the rest of the world, but obviously living in America, Mm -hmm. the American mindset is, or maybe it's always just been my mindset. Maybe it's not America's. Maybe you can tell me that, Coach. You've lived more places than me. It's a paradigm. (laughs) Is that competition is you being the only one. It is running other people out of business because you have such a good service or a good product. But competition doesn't necessarily have to end in you shutting somebody down. Exactly. Okay. Because not everybody is going to buy your products and services regardless of how good you are. So let's just say, for instance, we know that with Amazon, right, you can just order everything online. Right. But there are some people who are not into online shopping. Yeah. Right? They are... I need to be able to see it. I need to be able to taste it and touch it. Right? And know who they're doing business with. Exactly. So that person is going to drive into Albuquerque or Lubbock or wherever it is that they want to shop. They're going to do that because that has meaning for them. But it doesn't mean that they dislike um, shopping through Amazon. They just have a different mode of conducting their business and meeting their ends. Um, so, but that doesn't take money away from Jeff Bezos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have to get into that mindset where we're opposed to each other. Okay. Right. And that's where I got into the idea of lifeboat ethics, right? So what is that? So it started with a guy by the name of Garrett Hardin, okay. right? And he was an ecologist. But what he was talking about was the scarcity principle. And he was essentially saying that if richer companies, uh, countries, are sending resources to poorer countries, Mm -hmm. then they're not going to, eventually, we're going to have lack. Okay. Right? So if I'm helping you, I'm going to be hurting myself. That was the general idea. Okay. Right? That, Mm -hmm. hey, look, in this boat, we can only have so many people. Okay. Okay? And if we put somebody else in here, well, we're all going to sink. Right. Well, if you look at it at that level, even when you start talking about an actual boat and how many people you can get into that boat, when we get to that level, we are really dealing with a very different and unique circumstance because now you know that you can only fit. So if you got a canoe, you can't fit 15 people in the canoe. Right, right. But that's a whole nother strategy for survival than in communities where you have multiple opportunities to provide service and make money. So in other words, to make sure I understand, mm-hmm. so when you think of the lifeboat situation, we've all heard of the Titanic. Right. And, you know, they would put the children, the women, mm-hmm. um, elderly in mm-hmm. the lifeboats. Right. Uh, if you were like a, a young man who had a better chance of survival, uh, and you got in a lifeboat, you know, it, it would upset people because you're taking away from a woman or a child. That's right. 
So there's like a very real, you can only put so many in that lifeboat, so you have to make hard decisions. Exactly. But in business, applying lifeboat ethics in business is actually harmful, is, is what I hear you saying, because there's so much opportunity for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's, so, there's so many people, like you said, people that don't want to shop online, they're going to come to your, if you have a valuable, important product or service and you do it with excellence, they're going to come do business with you. Exactly. So you don't have to apply the lifeboat ethic to business because there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of business going around. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And so okay. why did I mention that to you here in Clovis? <clears throat> so it started during the pandemic, yes. right? All of our businesses are shut down. Yep. And we're in this case here, it's like, where are we going to shop? We're literally having to shop in what we call what big box stores yeah. or online. Okay, so now we are moving closer to a point where we're going to start opening our businesses, yes. right? Well, the first thing that came to my mind was we need to support all the businesses in this community right and that it is possible that you can support every single business in this community because they have people that they provide services to okay so if you put a business out of town out of um i'm sorry let me back up okay if you take a business and you just run them into the ground Uh well that particular business might have a niche market yes that's not going to come to this other business that now seems to be dominant. Right. Right. Like there are some people that are just not going to shop at Walmart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So guess what? When Walmart moved in here, the first thing we thought about was what's going to happen to some of our smaller businesses? Mm-hmm. Well, what did we have to do? We had to rally around so that we can help those other businesses because if they go under, then now you actually hurt your community, you hurt your economy. Yeah. So this is why I was saying that if we get into this notion that every business for themselves, mm-hmm. then now your entire community is going to start to suffer. Now that's interesting because not only did we have to rally around. Now I do remember, Coach, I've mm-hmm. been here coming in the summer since I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. So that was 1981. Okay. And I remember I'd visit my grandparents for a few weeks in the summer mm-hmm. and we'd come down to Main Street mm-hmm. and there was, a, a, you know, like Sears, I think was down here. Um, we might've had Woolworths still when I was coming, I'm not okay. sure. And all of a sudden, you know, we get the mall. And now you've got Walmart in the mall. You've got all the, you know, Sears moved over there. And Maine almost died. Yeah. It almost died. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I'm seeing a almost like a resurrection of Maine in the last few months mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, um, one of the things that I saw is people that stayed as, you know, like a small um, business owner, you know, small business owners, they actually had to up their game too. That's right. So it required a rallying around, mm-hmm. but they also had to up their game and they also had to figure out some ways to bring in some of the conveniences that maybe an online or a Walmart might be able to do. So right. it's almost like if you think about it, competition where maybe you, you might worry about your future as a small business, 
it actually can cause you to become even better and maybe expand your customer base? Absolutely it can. And I think that's the whole idea. You see, when I think about myself as a business owner and the clients I serve. Mm -hmm. So when I first came into Clovis, I drove around and I'm looking at, you know, fitness industries here. And it's like, okay, that's great. This is here, this is here, and this is here. Mm -hmm. So am I concerned about that? No. Why is that? Because I do something that's different. Yes. So now I have a, what you could call a competitor Mm -hmm. across the street from me. Mm -hmm. That doesn't phase me in the least. And that's the whole idea. Okay. Because if I am on top of my game and I'm providing the very best service that I can, then I am going to serve the portion of the community that I have the ability to be able to serve. Now, if someone comes in and it's like, you know what, I like your place, but I want to do something a little different. I'm, I, I want to do another type of training. And I'm like, well, hey, look, there's a, um, there's Go Fitness here, and we got range a range movement. I think. yeah. So uh, we have these other fitness, yeah. yeah. So we have these other places. Check those out and see what works for you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I mean. I don't have to put down another industry. I don't have to do anything that suggests that I'm dealing with fear and lack, right? Yeah. And I think what happens is. When we take that lifeboat ethics approach in a community of this size, what you end up seeing is a bunch of shuttered businesses. And when that happens, you actually drop the standard of living throughout the entire community. So sure, you may have a few businesses open that are doing pretty good, but your community is now suffering. And then after a while, then even the business that seems to be impervious to challenges, now all of a sudden, their customer base, yeah. right, is now dwindling because there's not enough money circulating in the community. It's only in small pockets and places. You know how like I, I have metaphors or I get pictures in my head, you know, okay. like when we did the uncomfortable places, the okay. high house. I just had a weird one, Coach. Okay. So, you know, I'm thinking about what you're saying and how, you know, you can, like, hey, I'd like to train different. Well, here are some options. You know, you yeah. don't have to attack your competitors. It's almost like trying to grow your community by shooting some of the citizens you don't like. Whoa. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I I literally, like, I, I picture, like, an old West town, mm-hmm. you know, with a okay. gunfight. I mean, it's almost like... You know, if you attack another business or you try to run someone out of business, you're actually hurting your community and probably your own business. Yes. Because by shutting that other business down, however you try to do it, it's actually your people that work there are losing jobs. Exactly. You're probably still not going to get their customers anyway. Exactly. There's a reason they're doing business there. So it's almost like you're shooting yourself in the foot, trying to elevate your business to a level and, and, and seeing that other business as a threat. It's actually, what I hear you saying, is harming the community. It is. It It is. So think about this as a Um, just as a consumer now. So we go into a business and, you know, we're checking it out. And then you hear somebody having a conversation. And then let's say this business owner is like, yeah, I don't know what they're doing over there. I don't even know why they're in business. 
And so now here we are, consumers as business owners, and we just heard that in the first I thing. I want to do business the, with them. Exactly. You never prosper by throwing somebody else under the bus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so when you, we're talking about a community with less than 50,000 people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that means that every business that's in this ecosystem needs to be able to thrive in order for the entire ecosystem to thrive. So when we recognize it's like, look, how can I help you in your business? Because I know if I can help you to do what you need to do, I'm going to make your business better. And you're going to do the same thing for me because you recognize that I don't want what you want. I want your business to be excellent, right? And I want my own business to be excellent. But if I'm in a fearful place, I'm not thinking accurately. Now I'm trying to do things maybe in my marketing and my promotions. And I'm now... Almost desperate. Exactly. People can feel that. Exactly. And it's like, don't do that. And I remember saying this to another business um, owner here in town. And when I said, we have to stop the lifeboat ethics, every business for itself, you could see him sort of like, like somebody had punched him in the forehead. Like Mm -hmm. he had this thought go through his mind and he understood exactly what I'm saying. If your community is cohesive and we work so that we can all be successful, then our community is going to raise this level of service. Now, outside industry says, you know what? They're doing some great stuff down there in Clovis. They have a whole bunch of um, industries that's popping up Mm -hmm. and we can move in here and do this and we can help them continue to grow their economy, right? That happens all the time. But when you're not doing that, now you have what I like to call the ghost town. You're driving through those communities and it's like five minutes. You just drove through. It's like, what was the name of that town again? Because you didn't see any industry there that made you think that you needed to stop outside of getting gas. Right. But we know that's not really a community based thing. Some other company is really owning that gas station. Right. Yeah. I know with Clovis, one of the things I've seen here is. A lot of the community leaders, the people, they do work hard Mm -hmm. to bring things in. But Mm -hmm. I also feel that every community is going to have lifeboat lifeboat ethics. Mm -hmm. I have a couple thoughts on that. And Mm -hmm. this one is actually like, you know, we talked about authenticity in the last podcast. And this kind of goes to that of knowing who you are, knowing who you are as a community, as Mm -hmm. a business. Because, again, it's like, you, you know, better isn't better. Different is better. Yes. In this market, mm-hmm. that's what is better. Mm-hmm. So it's having that that you know area that you excel in, that you serve the best. You attract those type of people. Yeah. Well, after I started my business, there's a lady um, mil- married to a military man moved into Clovis. She had a very very similar business, mm-hmm. very similar. And so I, I'm new, you know, I've got a few clients under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at that time I was battling imposter syndrome, you okay. know, trying to make sure that I actually have something of value to give, that I'm not faking it. <laughs> yes. And uh, anyway, so she did a seminar and, you know, I did, you know, this is a place where BS is confronted, right, by truth. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you always say? You shall not pass, I think That's is what you right. always you say. You shall not pass. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just not going to have any BS in this statement. I wanted to scope her out and see exactly what she was doing and how much of a competition she was to me. Mm-hmm. That was the only reason I attended her seminar. Okay? 
And, I get uh, that. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, survey the land, you mm-hmm. know, and see what's going on. So I show up, but then I'm like, you know what? You also need to learn. Because she obviously, she has, a, I mean, her background was like stellar. I mean, right. it was banking industry. I mean, all this, you know, ambassador stuff. I mean, all this crazy stuff. I'm like, I'm from Odessa, Texas. <laughs> Childress, maybe some Oklahoma in there. You know, I did not have any of this mm-hmm. illustrious, you know. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I went to some fancy dinner with, like, senators and stuff. I'm just trying to figure out what the spoon at the top of the plate's for, you know, and try yeah. not to knock anything in my lap. You know, yeah. that's all I'm concerned about. Yeah. So very different backgrounds. She carried herself in a very professional manner, had, like, a nice, you know, like, lady suit on and things like that. And the content itself was all right. Um, I, I, I'm actually a, a, a humble person, but mm-hmm. I'm a very confident person. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was listening to her, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's good stuff. I got a few good points, but I knew my stuff was good too. So I wasn't concerned go. about that, right? But, you know, I'm sitting there like, there's no way I can compete. I can't compete with her background. I can't compete with, you know, how she dresses, how she looks. I don't want to wear suits. I like jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole nine yards. And I started feeling that, you know, that lack thing, you know, mm-hmm. that lack thinking, that um, fear thinking. Mm-hmm. The doubt. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, the people she's been around, they're not my tribe. Right. They're her tribe. Right. My tribe are the little mom and pop shops, mm-hmm. the side hustlers, mm-hmm. the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's my tribe. Right. I'm not going after the people she is. Right. And all of a sudden, I was like, that's great. You know, now we may overlap in some things, but I also knew my fascination advantage. And right. I knew that my fascination advantage was really good for small town Clovis. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? I'm very real. I'm very authentic. Not saying she wasn't. Right. But I'm not big city. Right. And so I just felt that at that moment, I didn't need to compete on the level where I felt like I had to dominate and run her out. Exactly. Which I could have. Right. You know? And in some cases, you can, but then again, right? It would have been hurtful. Exactly. To the community. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And she has since moved. She's really great. She's really good at what she does. She has since moved, but she still is a voice in our community for benefit. Mm -hmm. And if I would have allowed fear and lack to overtake me and my thinking I would have shut down a voice that we need, especially when it's tied to our military installation. Yeah. Yep. The other thing that came to my mind when you were talking coaches, and we, I don't know if we mentioned this in one of the podcasts, but I know I mentioned it to you, that my dad, I don't remember if it was Texas or Oklahoma, but he was telling me about a car dealership. And it was the dominant car dealership in that town. But the reason it was dominant was very interesting. So like in a lot of sales, you know, like realtors, Mm -hmm. my goodness, it can get catty among realtors. Um, But in like real estate and car dealerships and stuff, it is extremely cutthroat because that's how you eat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we're not talking about a little side thing here. It's like you have to sell in order to feed your family, right? Because right. it's commission-based. Well, what this uh, dealership did is all the other salesmen helped one another. Yes. They weren't competing on the idea of fear and lack. They they were helping one another. And what happened is it created such a cool vibe and such a place of goodwill and low pressure 
that people loved buying their vehicles in. Yep. That's exactly the point. It's like, look, what can I help you to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I help you to do something that you're really good at, and guess what happens? Now you do it to me, and now we've lifted each other up. Yes. And that's the whole idea. So, so for me, when I was thinking about, you know, healing business, healing community, well, the lifeboat ethics has to stop. Yes. Because if you shut down two or three businesses here, and it's like, well, I'm the only pizza industry in the town, right? Well, guess what happens? Mm-hmm. You just said it earlier. You don't just shut a business down. You take revenue out of the community. Yes. You decrease jobs. And at that point, the ripple effect of that is far-reaching. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, in your chamber, we're saying, what can we do to sustain our community because we're losing all of our businesses? Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe if we take this approach where we each help other businesses to do what they do well, then guess what? We all win. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we print money all the time. So you can't run out of money when we're constantly reprinting it. And I don't want to get into inflation and things like yeah. that because there's other things that bring that on. But the idea is if you work as a team, if your community as a, is a team with a single objective, mm-hmm. you raise the, the economy yeah. for the entire group of people that you serve all of our businesses are doing well. Yeah. And, of course, that's going to be according to the nature of the individual business themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, Yeah, because if you don't provide a good product or service, or if you do but you have a bad attitude, the economy, the market, will get you out. Exactly. But that's a whole nother matter. Yeah. Right? But we're saying, hey, look, um, this business over here is struggling. How can we help them? Right. And of course, in that evaluation, we can see exactly what they're doing. Okay. So if they're failing because they have poor attitudes, poor customer service, well, it's like, you know what, we can help you. But what we're going to most likely tell you is that you need to change your attitude. Right. Now, if they don't want to do that, then guess what? We're not talking about the same thing. They're putting themselves out of business. The market will always correct exactly Mm -hmm. exactly but the idea is and i like that model um of that one dealership Mm -hmm. when you help each other everybody wins and it takes out that desperation yes it does that i know we've all felt when we've gone into a business at times exactly and the customers know that too they walk in there and they don't feel pressure because now all of a sudden everybody is helping each other you're going to be thinking like wow that was a wonderful experience yes not the vehicle and what you just said coach experience is what sells exactly the proper service they're going to get it anyway yeah it's the experience it's, that they feel exactly and that's an intangible quality and that's what they tell their friends yep. and then now they're in your place of business and that's what we want to do okay coach so to finish up because our I don't know if you notice a different sound here. It's a lightsaber Oh, sound. is that what that yes. was? Yes, versus oh. R2-D2 because it's a little jolting. Oh, okay. You know, from people, I think. And so I kind of went with a smoother one there. Okay, so questions to end. Okay. Um, what is the first step a business can do to um, maybe start shifting some of the lifeboat ethics in a community, maybe start helping other businesses? What's the first thing, action step that we can do? 
Well, the first thing is, who are you, what's your service, and how comfortable are you in that service? Okay. I think that's step one, because if somebody is not comfortable in what they're providing and they don't feel like their business is able to sustain itself, they may not be able to feel like they can do that. Okay. Right? Okay. So one of the first things is, how can we help you to clearly define what your service is, who you are, and how you can deliver that and service? And you definitely there? probably want to protect some of your trade secrets. Oh, you yes. You know, I give a lot away in, you know, the seminars and things like that, but I got some secrets close to my vest that no one else does, and I ain't sharing them. Yeah, because then you, you won't need me. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that's the uniqueness part of the business. Right. I think your every, secret sauce. Yeah, every business has their unique selling proposition, but that doesn't that doesn't need to be threatened, okay. right? So, I mean, other businesses in town probably have kettlebells, mm-hmm. but there are certain things that I teach in a training that are not posted on my website. You gotta have you know, the secret recipe of Kentucky Fried Chicken, right, Coach? <laughs> yeah, if everybody that's right. knows it, then there ain't no KFC. That's well, this is true. That is true. Yes. That's a good point. Thank you, you know, so we start with knowing who you are, mm-hmm. what your product is, and how comfortable are you in that product. That's step one for me. Okay. Yeah. And then is the, maybe the next step is to definitely, I don't know, like, do you contact your competitors or do you, um, you know, like, how, how would you, I mean, obviously shop local. Mm-hmm. Obviously you know, shop at various local businesses, especially if they have a good product or service mm-hmm. with good customer service. But where does it come into where you're actually helping maybe someone that's struggling or, you know, is that, hey, I'm Greg, I have this, I know you've got this, I just wanted to learn a little bit about your business so I can refer people to you because I have a specific thing I do and I know it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You, you might be that person that I can send someone to. Is it something as simple as that? What does that look like? So this is funny. I was at the dentist's office mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just yesterday and the the particular person that works with me, the in this case the hygienist, mm-hmm. right? She has a business, her and her husband, and they would be considered competitors. But we sat in there while she was cleaning my teeth and everything like that. And when we were talking to each other, we were literally having these kinds of conversations because we recognize that sometimes people want different things. Yeah. And it's like if somebody says, hey, look, I want this type of service, I'm going to say, hey, look, you need to go see so-and-so over right. at this place because I think they got a great uh, program that might fit what you need. So you don't necessarily want to send people to people that have a shoddy product or service. No. It's not that thought, but it is maybe, you know, taking those opportunities to build a little bit of a relationship if possible with mm-hmm. a, a competitor mm-hmm. um, and, you know, refer them when you know that it's it's kind of, I, I respect this lady so much. I wanted to hire the specific photographer. Mm-hmm. And one reason I wanted to hire her was because I liked her feel. I liked mm-hmm. her style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a particular project in mind. When I contacted her, she said, you know, I would love to work with you because we're actually friends. Mm-hmm. She said, but I'm not the one. And I can tell you who you need to go to. And I said, okay. And so she, had, she told me the reason she wasn't the one for us which I agreed with her once she, you know, I was like, yeah, you're right. The two she referred, I actually didn't agree with either. I didn't think they were a good fit because I had a certain level of quality I needed. Right. And so I went with Chrissy, uh, Chrissy, uh, Chrissy Cross and I knew she was the one, you know, Mm -hmm. when I started looking at her branding and Mm -hmm. how she does business. Mm -hmm. 
Now, will she be someone that's for every single photography you know need in Clovis? Probably not. But she was the one I needed, and I was very thankful that the other photographer was willing to turn down that job and send me to someone she thought was a better fit. My respect for her went through the roof. Absolutely, and that's a, that's a sterling example of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When you recognize where you are and you say, you know what, I'd love to be able to help you, but I think you should go here. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you put yourself in the way of the law of increasing returns. Okay. Okay, which basically says that if you're doing something that's good over and over again, you are going to be rewarded for that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we could probably get into that a little bit deeper, you know, but I want to stay out of quantum physics and stuff right. like that. But the, the idea is this, and you just gave the example. When... The photographer referred you to someone else. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. They were actually operating in the law of increasing returns because you know what you're going to do? When somebody is looking for a photographer, you're going to say, well, why don't you go and check out this person here first, right? Yeah. Because you already know that they can go over to see this other person that you went to. But the one that stuck out in your mind is the person that took the risk to say, you know what? I'd love to work with you, but I don't really have what you need. So instead of trying to struggle through that because they wanted that business and they wanted that money Mm -hmm. only to end up producing a negative service experience, they said, you know what, Ms. Wilson, um, I'd love to, but I don't have what you need. I think you should try these two people. They established in your mind a sense of well-being. You thought, wow, that was outstanding customer service. They let me walk out of their place of business for something that might amount to hundreds of dollars. But you know what? You will never forget them now. And not only that, but I walked away knowing more of what type of photography they do, which working with, um, you know, Chrissy Cross, I know what hers is, what her niche is, how she conducts herself is top notch. Mm -hmm. And so I now have, you know, two photographers where if someone has something specific that you know, hey, I think this photographer would probably be the one to call first mm-hmm. because now I know more about what they specialize in, the look, what they do, etc. Yeah. So it actually can, you know, like you say, it benefits you because not only are you doing a kind act, goodwill, exactly, right? but you're also educating people more on what exactly makes you different. Exactly. And that's To me, that's what it comes down to. But you have to know who you are Mm -hmm. and what you do. And this is what this individual demonstrated. It's like, you know what? This is who I am. This is what my business is. And I would love to have you as a customer. Mm -hmm. But what I do is not going to be suitable for you. And I have enough courage. Yeah. Right? I have enough confidence in what I do to tell you that truth. Yeah. And and in doing so, I create a a favorable experience in your mind. And you know what? Now that business is going to be lifted up. It may not come from you directly. It may come through somebody else because they did something that was really good. It's a good deed. And like I said, the law of increasing returns, just like any other principles that we know to be true, Uh this is what we're talking about in this community. We can all benefit 
from the law of increasing returns by moving away from this selfish, I have to do this type of mentality in order to stay um, relevant or to keep my business going. Instead, you can take a different approach. You don't have to have a loss of intensity regarding right. the success that you desire for your business, but you can go about it in a way that you ensure your business because you do the one thing that's going to help you, you establish goodwill in the mind of the people that you serve. Yeah. And those are the people who bring people back to your business. That's very good. Very good, Coach. Can you think of anything else? No, I, I, I think that's it, right? Because we like to stay out of what we call poverty and scarcity consciousness. Yeah. And we do know that there's always enough to go around. I think that probably would be good, even though this is not a part two to authenticity, I think it probably would be good to make sure that they go back and listen to authenticity because that is kind of what we're talking about. You know, this person knew herself, knew her business, and she was authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of complement this podcast, I, I think would think probably so. be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, all information to contact us, our websites, uh, mastermind information, all of the things that we do are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so please don't hesitate to contact us, especially if you have a topic mm-hmm. that you would like us to touch on. And uh, please leave a kind review. Five star would be great. Uh, tell us what you like about the podcast, areas where we can improve. Again, still working on the sound coach. I'm oh, going to yeah. get it. I'm going to get it. But um, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I think the community, Clovis, needs to pay attention to what's happening here because. You know, we're like a wave that's building. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about this, we just got through talking about it. Our job is to make sure that every business, every individual that we have an opportunity to touch, we want to help you to be successful. Yes, that's absolutely Absolutely. true. So this is Coach Greg McNeil. Mm -hmm. Cherry Wilson. All right. And um, check out our website. Yep. Check out our podcast. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Yes.